Hello, everyone, and welcome to Into the Halo, a Warrior Nun fan podcast. I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Sheila Amato. And I'm Kimberly Amato. And this is our deep dive discussion to episodes one, two, and three of Warrior Nun. Now, we will be talking about specific things that happened in these specific episodes. So, fair warning that there are spoilers ahead in case you haven't seen the episodes yet. And when we say spoilers, we mean spoilers for episodes one, two, and three only. (laughs) Correct. Yes. (laughs) Because we want you folks to enjoy it as much as we did first time around. All right. Before we kind of get to some of those episode discussions, um, we want to do on the podcast here a little bit of news and updates section. Uh, We're hoping that uh, in some of our upcoming episodes, we'll have real news, like potentially shooting dates or airing dates or trailers or all that good stuff. We're not there yet, unfortunately, folks. Um, But uh, we did want to mention, and we'll put in the show notes uh, that you can check out at our website, uh, warriornunpodcast.com, links to a couple of items that, uh, as Warrior Nun fans, we think you might enjoy. Specifically, uh, there are a couple of interviews of the showrunner, Simon Barry, on the YVR Screen Scene podcast that he did. One kind of a general interview for Simon and some of his work, and then one that is specific to Warrior Nun. But both are very good, greatly enjoyed them. So they are highly recommended, especially now while we're kind of between content for the show. It's something we thought you folks might enjoy. The other item there, there'll be a link for a little more close to myself, if you will, from firsthand experience. And that was a Warrior Nun discussion panel for season one that I took part in last summer. It was part of uh, Dragon Con Goes Virtual. For those who don't know, Dragon Con is the world's largest fan run convention, Uh, you know. Before COVID, you would be looking at uh, approximately 80,000 attendees there, fan run. Uh, And the Urban Fantasy track that I am actually the assistant track director for uh, covers Warrior Nun. And we did a panel discussing it. Uh, It's uh, up on YouTube. There were several folks there discussing the season. And also, it's, again, much like the interviews with Simon, only for folks who have seen the entire season. Um, so if you are new, you probably want to hold that link. But it, again, another fun discussion between folks who are fans looking at a lot of things we'll be discussing here on our podcasts uh, in the coming months. So just more content, hopefully, to keep you busy. And before we do move into our episode discussions, again, episodes one through three of season one, um, please give a listen to this promo from one of our podcasting friends. Oh, hello there. It's Lee from Lasers and Lockets podcast the bi-weekly, always nerdy podcast celebrating strong and complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment. Sound right up your alley? Join me as I sneak aboard spaceships, adventure with elves, and hunt artifacts threatening to ruin the world's day. Oh, and so, so much more. Get your nerd on and subscribe now on your favorite podcast app. All right, now that we've taken care of kind of catching you all up on things and uh, getting some details out to you, I think it's about ready to really have some fun here. Let's start talking about the first three episodes of Warrior Nun. So one of the things we thought we would do, because every episode title is actually a biblical reference, we wanted you to know what that reference was. So Warrior Nun, episode one, Psalm 46, five says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Giving a generalized summary of episode one, kind of really this, this is very, very foreshadowing because Ava is dead. She's on a slab um, and the priest is discussing with the uh, orphanage sister what happened, all of this information. And the halo bursts literally through the wall with the bear and the bearer passes, and somehow, due to serendipity, or um, I, I kind of want to say serendipity again, just because truthfully, that's what it feels like in this story. It ends up in Ava, and Ava rises again, and she can walk and feel her limbs, which is something she has never felt. So, it's a really interesting beginning, like a lot of introductory episodes where they lay the foundation and the groundwork with all these characters that are kind of all around you and you kind of don't know who everyone is and how they all intersect. And I really think it's a very powerful beginning. 
Right. And we learn about the other warrior nuns, if you will. Right. Yes. We learn about Sister Shannon, who is the leader. She is the original, the current halo bearer until she dies in an ambush. Right. Uh, we also have Shotgun Mary. Um, and she is very close to Sister Shannon. Sister Lilith seems to be the, the next halo bearer in line. Uh, we also see Sister Beatrice. Um, she seems to be like the tactical expert. Um, you know, she's, she's like coordinating a lot. The, uh, the, what was she coordinating? She coordinates the, the members of the order on these missions and kind of seems to be the middleman a lot. Yeah. Yeah, as any of us who've watched shows knows it's it's so critical and so difficult in many cases to get so much information out to viewers. <laughs> and they do throw a lot at us very quickly. Um, even aside from, you know, rewatching just for fun, I certainly found myself having to rewatch that first episode a few times to make sure I was getting the foundation uh, set up. I know with the Netflix shows, you know, the binge model, everybody wants to run through the whole series as fast as we can. To avoid spoilers and start talking to friends online sometimes, but uh, that first one, um, as you both just laid out, there's there's so much that's given to us yeah, just in the first few minutes, not even you know not even the whole episode. Um, as you both just said, in terms of getting an idea of of who these folks are, what happened to them, kind of the I don't know if you want to say hierarchy, but but you know the who's who kind of handles which part of things within the group. Um, and while we get on one level a pretty good feel for it, um, as we see play out throughout steps two and three, we start to find out a lot more about the altercation, you know, in terms of um, how Shannon got mortally injured and, you know, kind of with Lilith being, shall we say, in line and how just totally random it appeared that Ava ended up ending up with the halo instead. She was in the right place at the right time. Certainly from her point of view. But from the order's point of view, question mark? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're going to see a lot more on that. It, it did feel, I mean, I'm not going to lie, in those first like 10 minutes, it felt so overwhelming because there was so much going on that you want more. Like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it's one of those things where I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know where to focus. Does that make sense? Right. Is, you know, we were also learning about the halo's power, right? That um, whoever was bearing it, you know, well, A, it brought Ava back from the dead. It also allowed her to basically walk through walls. She was thrown and, you know, she just appeared in the, on the other side of a, of a store wall. And we also saw that, you know, her, her injuries were magically healed. And the halo burned the fingers off someone who tried to grab it without a specific device. Right. So this thing is super powerful, and you've just basically been told all of that in the first 10, 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> and, and this is where I say, as a viewer, and this is a very cool thing, at least in my mind, we're, we're a bit like Ava, because, I mean, she's the one who also gets so much thrown at her about all of this, and as they start to give her the history of the halo and other stuff. I mean, you can appreciate from her point of view, you know, we, we get a lot of these stories about the chosen one during my air quotes. I can't see it folks, but doing my air quotes, chosen <laughs> one in different shows. And you can kind of get why she'd be like, okay, wait a minute, time out. I mean, that this is a lot to digest, um, but very fascinating because this, I think is part of what really helped to draw me into the show quite a bit very quickly was, wow, there's just a lot of layers to it, a lot of people that are involved in this, and, and a lot to pick up on. Um, as you said, Kimmy, you know, in the best way possible. What I also love, though, is that the even when all of this, um, in, in the first episode, there's so much action going on. There's a lot of who did what. Uh, Shannon, with her dying breath, basically tells Shotgun Mary, you know, don't trust anyone. So you know there's something going on that is much more involved than we have and like you said kevin because we're sort of like ava figuring this out throughout i i do enjoy her voiceovers because you feel like you're living through her as she goes through this and that innocence that exuberance of feeling free that she really hasn't had 
to see that as the yin to the yang of all of the uh, action and other stuff going on with the order and the demons and whatnot is fascinating, that dichotomy. Yeah, and in my head, you know, I'm thinking she's been a quadriplegic for like seven years, right? So she hasn't been moving, she hasn't been doing anything, and then all of a sudden she is able to. And just that, that shock of trying to figure that out, like what is happening? And it's actually, t- to me, for, for, the, uh, for the first season, uh, first episode, where we, we get to lo- know a little bit more about Ava. She is urged by Diego to really grab hold of the second, li- uh, second chance at life. Yeah, I mean, that's some great stuff there. I mean, if I'm recalling my details right, uh, there was the car accident that um, yeah. caused her... Uh, to end up bedridden. I think she was maybe around seven, they said, when that happened. And I think she's said to be 19 when she died. So she's been there for like 12 years. I mean, that's a long time, certainly at that age, um, to be like that. So yes, to to suddenly find yourself with the ability to walk, and not only walk, but like you both mentioned, you know, get thrown through a wall, get your leg broken, and then magically fixed. Um and, and even at one point uh, when she's kind of going on her little walkabout, she ends up in a club there and the bouncer kind of comes up to her when she just reaches out to probably in her mind, gently push him away. She actually ends up sending him across the room. So I think she's got a little bit of extra um, super, strength. super strength there too, as we're going to come to find from the halo. So, and that's not something I remember. I didn't pick up on that part of it in the first watch or two. Um, again, being rewarded for the rewatches. So, you know, it's just fascinating to see how that's going to kind of uh, come into play on all of it. So, you know, and, and one thing you touched on there, uh, Kimberly, I don't want to go too deep on it right now. Um, <laughs> but um, the the Ava voiceovers. Now, I know without being spoilery, there are lots of folks who are just rolling their eyes right now because they weren't a big fan of those. Uh, but I know, you know, I didn't have an issue with it, certainly here in season one. I think it set the stage pretty good. I'm not saying I want to hear a lot of it probably in season two. Not that I wouldn't mind some, but, you know, maybe that's something we'll see as the season plays out. One thing that I was very fascinated about, and and if anybody, which the two of you have seen my list of topics, I am obsessed with trying to figure out what we were introduced to here, which was Divinium. Because when Avia is going through and she goes to the wall and she can see the trails of demons so she knows where they are and... So she's got all this extra strength in this power now, but yet one thing can can kill her, and that's Divinium. What is it? It's like instantly I was focused on that. I'm like, okay, why was that in Shannon? How did that get in Shannon? There was an ambush, but but where did they get this rare metal? So it was, oh, that's just leaving like so many things in the back of my head that I want to talk about right now, but that's like episode <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> put a pin in it. I'm putting a pin in it. Yeah, going to have to put a pin in it. Um, now, what did you two, I'd be curious to hear both of your thoughts, you know, as as we see Ava, I, I call it her walkabout, meaning when she, you know, just starts wandering around, um, meeting up with JC and the gang. I mean, how fortuitous was that to kind of come across some other folks who very much, you know, keep the, what they're doing on the down low too? I mean, I think that it was fortunate that she did because I, even though she has super powers um you know it's still a dangerous world out there and she's been you know, in her little cocoon for for 12 years so um it it definitely from a character development i think allowed her to explore all of these other things that she hasn't yet experienced and because she was a uh, quadriplegic um i think kimberly was saying that you know there was still an innocence about her. So she was through the eyes of all of these other uh, teenagers, if you will. Um, you know, they're, they're exploring the world and trying to figure out, you know, how to have fun. And so she's trying to also figure out how she fits in that. And if, if she can fit into that. Yeah. You know, I, I felt it was very fortuitous. Number one, because like Sheila said, it's, it, it, there is a dark world out there. So it was, I was happy that she came across people that were a willing to save her life. Cause I, the minute she jumps in the pool and it's like cold water will wake me up. And then she goes, Oh wait, I can't swim. <laughs> um, you know, 
that that exposure to things in a protective way. It was like these were her guides. So it was, again, it added that level of development, which I liked. Um, and I liked how they all kind of showed her how to have fun and live, you know, and, and experience things in a different way. Because again, she's been in that bed forever. So having people, I don't want to say handhold her because they really weren't, but having people guide her, help her to see the world eventually helps later on. And again, I got to put a pin in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, let's face it, who, you know, who wouldn't want to meet a gang that you could go party with and have some fun? Certainly. Uh, for those who haven't seen the whole season yet, I mean, the whole backdrop of Spain and, and you know, going to see some beautiful vistas and locations and everything else so getting a chance to just go hang out and party um you know just when we see her kind of settling down and having some fun we see some of those demon things and she's able to see them so we're reminded you know like you said that balance of of the innocence if you will of ava and what she's now been lucky enough to get a second chance kind of balance to get the fact that uh you know, it is a cruel world, and in her case, she's going to be aware of even more of that cruelty than maybe most people might. Although I have to say, that club scene was rocking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Loved it. It took me back to when I was going clubbing when I was younger. Like, Ooh, can we do that again? <laughs> but, you know, going back to things, though, while Ava is doing this, we do get... Um, a snippet of the flashback of conversations between shotgun Mary and Shannon and seeing them when they're friendly. And then you, you have a shotgun Mary saying like Shannon wasn't always this way. She started changing towards the end. And then you see this flashback and it, it kind of gives you hints to how, again, how deep this story is and how rich this story is and how many layers this is going to you have to peel through. And even when you think you've made it to where you think you're going, you're not there. Like you're not, you're being led somewhere, but you're still not at the end. And you can tell that in that flashback. Am I, am I seeing things? <laughs> no, no. And especially the reward on the rewatch, obviously, anytime you watch a show and go through the whole thing and then go back, you start really catching up on some of those things. So yeah, that's, that's where for you folks who are new, um, be, be paying attention to some of these interactions between uh, some of the characters, even things that don't look like they mean much now. You might find you're going to get, as Kimberly is saying, more from it down the line. And, and another thing I really liked here near the end of this episode, um, again, really appreciate it more on the rewatch. Um, not so much from a, point, a, a, a spoiler point of view or, or maybe knowing more, but just from the balance of having an opening episode where you throw so much at folks. Um, the scene with Father Vincent at the bar, uh, yeah. with the bartender trying to say that, you know, yeah, you know, my job's a lot like yours. Mm, not so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you get a little chuckle at that. But no, just the way he tells him the whole story of what would you say if. Um, now, we've all heard this in, in a, probably a bunch of other genre shows we may watch, you know, whether it's from Buffy or Winona Earp or any, almost any of these other ones of a hidden world or, or an unseen world for a lot of folks. I just thought it did such a great job of describing, you would think I was crazy if I said this and you thought that. That dialogue really, it's just, the writing on that is just outstanding. And in the back of my head, I was like, and yet I want to get to episode two. So you're not crazy, dude, just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, that's an interesting thing too for me for many Netflix shows. Um, they know how to take some of these things, even though we know we can binge them when they drop, you know, entire episodes for a season. And, and we all kind of sit back and go, yeah, I'm going to, you know, kind of for, for some of us, certainly for someone like me, I'm going to like, I'm going to pace myself. You know, I, maybe it's already late. Maybe I'm not going to go to the next episode, but they sure do a good job to give you just enough at the end of that one to go. Okay, next, next. And the thing is, you rarely want to skip the intro or skip the credits. Like you, you just, you want to see it all. You want to take it in just in case there's something later. I mean, and speaking of that, right after that sequence, you know, you're like, okay, next episode, need to watch it. And then you see this massive creature that takes tactile form. Like we've only seen spirits that she can see. Um, 
and we see them kind of go into humans. So we assume they're somewhat spiritual and here's something that can touch and hurt a human. It kills the priest and then flips over Shannon's body and slices through her back looking for the halo. Mm-hmm. If that didn't make you want to watch episode two immediately, I mean, that was one heck of a cliffhanger of, hey, by the way, this is about to get real. Yep. Absolutely. That's why I say really, really strong first step. So then I guess we're going to jump right into episode two then, because episode one is, is a lot. And I think, I think everybody's going to have to watch that a bunch of times more. I think we could watch that 10 times more <laughs> just to find pieces we're missing. But Warrior Nun, episode two, the title was Proverbs 3125, which says she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. Again, very foreshadowing. Yeah. What do you both think? Well, I think that this is where she's, um, you know, just trying to really continue to experience new things. You know, she's, she's trying to, to, you know, hang out with the friends, go different places, crash uh, the, what is it, Arctech? That was the mm-hmm. place that they went to. Yep. She's still trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And this episode is actually the first time that she realizes that there's something in her back. She sees that, that circular um, scar because uh, JC actually pointed it out to her. Oh, that it was a tattoo. That it, he, he, thought, said it, he thought it was he, a tattoo. He thought it was a tattoo. And she's like, what scar? So, you know, she's starting to, to realize, hey... You know, something might have happened to me here. And, uh, you know, you know as, as Ava is learning her, her world, we have that, that parallel um, storyline of Shotgun Mary trying to figure out what happened at the docks. Yeah. Trying to figure out who ambushed them. And, and it-, it was with uh, Father Vincent's um, blessing to go ahead and do that. Yeah, and for me, this is the episode two where I really started getting very interested in in Shotgun Mary and her backstory. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because her skill set, you know, having seen the first episode, you know, seeing that it's, you know, obviously the show's titled Warrior Nun, we see several of the nuns that are part of this group, but seeing her here and seeing her skills to not only investigate you know, what might have happened, uh, you know, that caused the mortal injuries for Shannon, but also knowing where to go for information uh, to the, the lengths that she's willing to go to to get that information, um, as we'll see. I mean, that's, you know, that this is where I love from a show that it's more than just your lead character, too. Not that mm-hmm. several of the other characters aren't going to be great that we'll be talking about, but I just thought for me, this is the episode where, where Shotgun Mary got very interesting. She has unconventional methods. <laughs> For me, it was seeing that side of, of Lilith um, because, you know, seeing Shotgun Mary, like you said, her, her means and her methods and, and her skill set, and then also seeing Lilith kind of go toe-to-toe with Shotgun Mary about, you know, Ava is a means to an end. We need to get the halo. The greater good is save the world. There's where Shotgun Mary is going, but she's still human and Lilith's going, yeah, it doesn't matter. I need the halo. I'm next in line. It's, it's an interesting play the way those two characters weave around one another, this whole episode. And then sister Beatrice, I can't pronounce her name today. I don't know why (laughs) sister Beatrice. um, She seems to be like in the middle somehow, you know, trying to find the, the middle ground because in in the scene that I'm thinking about, you know, she tells Sister Lilith, vows aren't the only way to express dedication. Yeah. Yeah, that, love, the, love that. You know, love that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's trying to tell Lilith, look, you know, we're, we're different, but we all have the same goal. Yeah, and that's what's yeah. fantastic from the story point of view as it starts to play out like you both just described. We've got all these different characters, their own personalities— these are not cookie cutters. They're not all going to line up, be exactly similar to everybody else. That's what I'm really loving as developing here is that they're each 
bringing themselves to what's going on. But as we said, the idea that they are, or at least appear to be going at one goal, <laughs> um, but, you know, mentally very different approaches. And then just when we think these characters, like, again, with that onion peeling ideology, just when you think you are, okay, here are the characters, it's the order, it's Ava, we have to figure out how to fight the demons. Now you're being thrown another level with Arctech and how they're on dig sites and they're digging up this ancient armor and melting it down and you meet and see Divinium and you meet someone who left uh, Christian, I believe his name was, who left the Vatican. And then you meet Cardinal Doretti and you see how those two really butt heads and the way they go. It's, it's like, damn, there's more, <laughs> you know, just when you think you, you're going down that Avenue, you're supposed to go to now. Okay. Well now it's science and religion are fighting too. So there's so much here again to to decipher. And then they play with portals. <laughs> <laughs> and I still want to know where the hell that portal goes. <laughs> that says all I was saying this entire episode. I remember watching it for the first time with Sheila and we were sitting there and all I kept doing is looking at her going, "Where does that go? Where does it go?" Is and I kept saying like all horror films, I expected something to reach back out through the portal, grab her, scream, you know, the whole thing. So I'm, I'm more fascinated by that right now. That's like my whole big thing is the divinium. I'm sorry. But it's also a great example of why, you know, and we're going to hear this play out as we do more podcasts. The show works on so many of these levels from the, the overarching story, your lead, what's going to happen there. The, the mythos of all these pieces in here, the relationships that, A, we're starting to learn a little about, bit about, um, but also the, the ones that will develop as things start to happen in the show. Um, so we've got all these different pieces that you get to, to, to focus on, uh, look at as they're happening, and, and it's a lot to wash over you. And again, I keep saying it, but it comes back to where the rewatches for the show are so enjoyable because you can have more of a look on this side, if you will, this time through and more on that side and more on the people side and the story, you know, so I'm just babbling a bit there, but that's, you know, as we said here in this episode, as, as you touched on very appropriately, Kimberly, it's, it's the, the, the religion versus science thing, which goes on forever and is in so much of uh, the different stuff. I mean, it's, it's set up right here, toe to toe between um, the folks you mentioned. Um, but also our story is going to revolve around some of that. I mean, obviously, if they're uh, uh, Julian's able to create a portal somewhere, she says potentially heaven. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to find out more about that and and how that plays into uh, what our characters are dealing with too. So, you know, very very fascinating. And considering that Ava is actually at this party when they're doing it, and she and JC sneak, you know. I want to say backstage, but, you know, in the, the back section of the facility, because Ava's like, oh, my God, I know this place. This is fascinating and wants to see things. And they're playing with all the tech and they come across the Divinium shield that starts glowing blue. Yeah. And it's reacting to her. That's what really got me the first time. And then, you know, they get caught. All this other stuff happens. And then that massive monster that can kill Ava just comes like, hi, I'm here. Can I take the halo, please? In not so polite terms. <laughs> Enter our nuns. <laughs> well, you're, you're speaking about the divinium. When, when we were watching it again, um, the second time around, I actually didn't realize that Cardinal Duretti had a ring that had divinium. Because when she enters the, 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 the check-in line, and she sees card the cardinal off to her side. He had his hand down, and it was actually glowing blue. I did not catch that the first time around. That's you know again that's the little hint that divinium is not just at the dig site; it's a little bit everywhere. Yeah, excellent, excellent catch, Phil. Because that is that's one I didn't catch the first couple of times through, and and you know now I can't unsee it naturally anytime you. <laughs> 
Exactly, right? <laughs> Anytime you have a show like that where you catch something, you just you pick on it the next time. But you're right. I mean, the fact that Ava knew um, what Arctech would done because of, of her being bedridden and what they have done, you know, was just something she would naturally be interested in. And, and you know, from our story, it just folds so well together that that's part of what they end up uh you know, just getting themselves in trouble looking around. And, and sure enough, what we come to find out is called a Tarrasque based on conversations in the next episode that, you know, just showing up, uh, you know, going through walls, freaking everybody out. And sure enough, we, we have the the gang show up to, to, to basically what they think is to save Ava, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's her, I think, you know, um, just by chance having the the shield there to hit her with, that uh, she's the one, without even knowing it, who is the one who drives it back. And and then she kind of passes out. Well, well thanks, thanks to Beatrice. Yeah. <laughs> Drugging her. Uh, just a little. <laughs> it was just a small little prick in the neck. <laughs> but it beautifully ties into what you both were describing earlier when we talk about all these different characters. Beatrice being so pragmatic and smart as she kind of said, she knew she would, she, meaning Ava, would be troubled. So she right. had something to tranquilize her just in case. <laughs> and Beatrice actually was the one who, you know, did all of the research on what the Tesser, Tarrasque. Tarrasque. Would you like to say that? Tesseract? That's Tesseract, a, yeah, I know. I, I know. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> different, different show. Different, Hang yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Trask, where, you know, she, she was actually telling everybody, this is a higher level demon. Um, they can only stay in our realm for short bursts. And, you know, they are honing in on whoever has the halo. And only the combination of the halo bearer and divinium sword can slay it. So that's where we were introduced to how do we kill this thing? One other little note, though. And I glanced over it. And, and before, it, when I watched it on the first time, it didn't quite make sense to me because I was like, there's a phantom kid somewhere, but we see this boy who now lives in Arctic mm-hmm. and he somehow knows Ava is there. Nobody else knows really Ava is there, but he sees her. And, and, and she sees him because that's part of the mystery. Him. She's wondering who that is. Yeah. So at the, I didn't, now that I've seen everything and I, I keep saying I have to put a pen in my thoughts because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to spoil things and I'm trying to be so good. Because if you ask my wife, I spoil everything and I'm trying to be good. You're doing better. You're, You're doing, doing great better. this time. Doing great. But it really, it's, it's, this show is just, their foreshadowing is so brilliant. I love it. I'm yeah. a five-year-old right now. But again, also too, like we talked about, what a great way to end an app to make you want to hit that next button real fast when you throw a demon through the world and Stab you knock someone out, in the neck. Yeah, you knock out your lead. <laughs> On that note, I'm just going to go right into to episode three. So we're in on episode three. I don't know how to pronounce this. I went to Catholic school. I should know. It's Ephesians. I'm, I'm so sorry. Somebody please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but 611, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And again... Great job with the title link because, you know, as we start to learn a little more about the backstory of the Halo uh, here with some little flashbacks, you know, started to get this whole good versus evil, God versus devils, you know, it's all starting to get laid out for us. I also took it somewhat literally because literally they put armor on her, on Ava. Very good, yes. Dampen mm-hmm. that, I guess the uh, the signature the halo puts out. So it's it's the figurative and literal, literal, not literative. That's not a word. Um, but it, I love. I just I really like these titles. Are just so good. And when she first wakes up, and she can't figure out what's going on. We we actually learn that the halo responds to emotion. So because Ava, I guess, has not been trained at all. She doesn't know how to handle any of this, obviously. And so she goes through the bed and then starts losing control with her emotions and ends up kind of, I don't want to say blowing up, but she blows herself backwards and basically knocks herself out. Well, that's how she escapes the 
confines of the of the bed that she's in. So without even thinking about it, she just naturally got herself out of that situation. Until, of course, they, you know, knocked her out again. But I also found it very fascinating, and we touched on a little bit in the discussion of the earlier episodes, even before or just as she's waking up, you have um, Lilith and Beatrice, you know, wondering about the impact if they take it out of her. Will it kill her? Will it make her quadriplegic again? So we're still dealing with the, this isn't just a, oops, somebody got the wrong order at the deli kind of thing, and you got the magical item in your pocket. It's actually in her and the impact of it in her. This is still something we're going to have to wait to see as it plays out. Yeah. And it it's, gives another section to Lilith because she seems really steadfast on so what? You know, you really have this level with Lilith of, but she's not trained. We have a war to, to stop. We have to protect mankind. We don't have time for this. And, and Beatrice is like, but you, you can't just jump. You have to know what you're getting into. And it's, it's a fascinating, again, to see how these other characters are, are going back and forth and bringing extra layers and, and showing you that not every answer is just, is just straightforward here. Everything really needs to be thought out and planned. That kind of goes back into when, you know, Father Vincent is teaching Eva all about the halo and where it comes from and how it started. There's so much more to the halo than we know. So much more. I don't even think by the end of season one, I fully know everything about the halo because you've seen my list. So. (laughs) The ever-growing one, yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Those will be addressed, folks, in separate, separate discussions, <laughs> which are great discussions. But yeah, it's, you know, and one of the maybe small, but I thought important things here, again, Father Vincent giving her or having her read the story, you know, sometimes reading it, sometimes him visually showing it to her of the halo and kind of its origins and, and so forth. A, it's for Ava, naturally, because she's totally outside of this. But also for us as viewers, we're getting some more basis, some more backstory. Um, but I also like that rather than just Ava going, oh, okay, well, so- sounds like I'm in, then I guess. You know, she very much is like, you know, in, in very great comedic timing, like, you know, what, what does this have anything to do with me? You know, what's, again, cut, cut to the chase rather than all of the um, grandiose descriptions. So I kind of like that because that, that's for us as viewers a little bit too that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice you get all these books and you get all this big story, but but cut to why it means anything. Right, and I like the fact that, you know, in the story of Ariella, that we we actually find that she was a non-believer herself. And so, you know, Father Vincent was trying to make that parallel connection that Ava as a non-believer can be, um, can take up the mantle, if you will, and lead the warrior nuns. And while this story is going on here, when we see Shotgun Mary again, mm. they have cornered the security guard from the Arctic party and they're looking for information. And we learn a little bit about her code because security guard is basically on the knees at the edge of the cliff and he's like, well, the cliff is a nice touch. You know, and, and again, it, it shows the, the willingness of Shotgun Mary, of how far she's willing to go. But she also has ethics because she throws a gun to it. You know, it's not just, I'm not going to kill you in cold blood. You're going to pick up that gun, and when you go for it, I'm going to protect myself. And it's, it's a fascinating level within her because, again, not of the faith, but picked up the mantle. Granted, not a warrior nun or halo bear, but still fighting the good fight and standing alongside for what is right. What is, I think the bigger theme here is what is the greater good? Everybody that we meet thinks they're doing the right thing for the right reasons. So you're watching it play out over these first three episodes, you know, the innocence, like even Lilith from episode one to now, it's always been what is best for the the war and the fight and the, this to that when she's fighting with Ava, when the thing is going, uh, when every time she swings the, the stick. Well, how do I use it? It's a stick. 
I'm sorry, I had to throw that in. But when she's fighting with Ava, it's it's very clear cut. She's like, you need to train. You can't do this. I'm proving you can't do this. And the reason you can't do this is because you were not trained. You're not a halo bearer. You are an intermediate. It's It should be in me. You know, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. And it's, I'm just babbling. I'm stopping now. <laughs> no, that was a good point. No, yeah, it's not babbling. It's It's why it gets fascinating because Lilith has her idea, like you said, she thinks... She believes what's best for the greater good is give me the halo. <laughs> I've trained for it. I'm ready. I'm next. I should have it. Basically, screw whatever happens to Ava or anybody else. While it appears for us looking at her character to be a bit on the selfish side, again, she believes it's going to be what's best for the world and everyone because she, as you just said, Kimberly, is trained for it, is aware of what needs to be done. It's fascinating to watch that played against like Father Vincent talking at a couple of points because, you know, Father Dreddy has also come in here at some point to say, hey, you know, what's going on? It's in a non-believer. Get, basically get things together or, or the higher ups are going to come down on both of us. Um, and even Father Vincent is a little bit of, well, it may not have been the plan, but maybe it was part of God's plan or a higher plan that Ava should get it. So now as viewers, we have to go, hmm, okay, maybe there is something that Ava's going to bring to the party, so to speak, that uh, Lilith wouldn't have, or is she? Uh, I, I, that's where it gets fascinating, too, for me. And then you got Beatrice just being wonderful with the information about, you know, the background on a lot of this and wondering where it's going to go, and certainly seeming to be someone who wants to, shall we say, follow the rules, but within that... If there's a loophole somewhere, she seems like someone who will be willing to take that tangent um, differently than Lilith might. So, again, much like you're just saying, it's just it's fascinating to start to see as they're all really, you know, excellent writing, excellent acting to give us these um, each of them unique characters in this same umbrella of what they're trying to do, but having different approaches to it. And I do hope somewhere on your list, because I haven't looked through it all, or at least I couldn't digest it all yet. Um the shotgun Mary, and again, her creating her line in the sand for what's allowed by feeling that that security guy, the one who was part of the ambush um, on Shannon, she wouldn't kill him in cold blood. But she certainly set him up so she could at least feel to herself that what she did was within her code. Um, but that's when we now have to start talking about gray areas and, and so forth there. But again, for another discussion. See, that for me is very much within that Beatrice line where she's discussing with Ava and um, they're talking about Shannon and, you know, boarding school and, and how Beatrice and we start to learn more about Beatrice. And when Ava goes, you know, I, I feel like I get a feeling there's something more. And Beatrice's line is just there's always more. Mm. We we don't really know a lot of things. Let's be honest. It's three episodes. We don't know a lot. But looking at it, we can't take anything. That line to me told me bluntly, nothing can be taken from surface level at all. And the the whole scene, the way that was set up, I thought was really well done. Um, you know, they when they were first talking, both of them were in the light. Right, so they continued talking, and then, as soon as Ava said, "You know, you're not telling me the whole story," Beatrice then steps backwards into the darkness and says, "There's always more." And so, again, that's the interplay, as you were saying, Kevin, earlier about the you know the darkness and the light. Um, you know, that I thought that that was just phenomenal the way they just visually showed that to us. But God, yes. and now I have to go watch it again. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I was just thinking that too. <laughs> Excellent observation, Sheila. Excellent. See, this is why I love talking above the show like this with other people. It, it, it just struck me when I saw it again. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, not only are they saying the words, they're actually showing it to you. It's just, it, it was fabulous. Yeah, I, I got to admit too, by this episode, I'm I'm loving the... Because it had happened a little bit when they when they had when they sat down to eat, that Beatrice yes. is kind of the one being at least willing to, to to. I don't know if I'd say the word welcome. Would you say welcome, Avery, or at least be more 
welcoming just that olive branch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, then a lot of the other folks are just a little too distant. I mean, you can understand why. Again, she's so new; she's not part of the order. She hasn't been training in any of this. She hasn't, to this point, looked like she wants what she's ended up with. So right. I kind of get that. So I think it's it's great to have, you know, their relationship developing there quite a bit. And again, you know, that's Beatrice being like, you know, the, the middle person, you know, trying to find the middle way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God, and no, this I- is where I cut in and go, meanwhile, back at Artec. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really bad cartoon cut in. But they're, they're going through the footage because someone broke in and... Let's be honest, beep got broken. <laughs> you know, stuff was thrown all over the place, and why? And they look back at the footage, and they see that it glows blue, which is very clear that something is different because that has never happened before. So now you have them even more interested as to what's going on. So now, you know, I mean, we're meeting them, and I kind of feel like these are bad guys. <laughs> right, except that, you know... Um, Jillian actually in that scene was saying um, science and faith can coexist. So to me anyway, I was, I had originally thought, okay, they're the bad guys. Now I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe they're more gray than I thought. There's always more. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to keep throwing that out every time we try to take a point somewhere, aren't you? Yes. It's so true. (laughs) Yeah, the, no, the one it thing is, that bugged me, is. though, and I'm sorry to cut you off, the one thing that bugged me, but I understood why they did it, but I was like, oh, that's such a dirty trick, is when Lilith and Mother Superior were playing a trick on Ava to show about the emotion and how she's not ready. Mm. And she runs through the wall, but her foot gets trapped. First off, creeped me out being trapped because I'm claustrophobic, so the idea of being trapped in anything creeped me out. But it's, it felt, to me, I understood why they did it, but did it, did it feel like a, a really cruel thing to do? Well, it's cruel in the sense that I think both of them, though, at this point, very much think Ava is more a liability than an asset. So let's really, you know, as we, again, in many of these stories of The Chosen One, uh, especially, you know, they have to go through some trial, trial by fire, whatever you want to call it. Um, And this was their way of really ramping that up right away in a very cruel way. Yes. But if if Ava had showed any skill set, instead of running to save herself and then literally, like you said, not even be able to phase completely through the wall. Um, it, it really was, you know, it, as a viewer, it made me feel bad for Ava. I was starting to identify and thinking, okay, maybe just give her some space and she'll be in this. But it then made the two of them seem like very little compassion, very much just by the book. You weren't supposed to be the hell of I got to do anything I can to prove that. Did you feel it got a little too much though? Like when, and again, this is just me asking questions. When Mother Superior then started going off on her and telling her, "This is how you died. This is who you were. This is how you live." Blah blah blah, and like kind of digging that knife in a little deeper each time. It just felt like, oh man, back off, lady. But I think what she was doing, and again, in her mind, she might have been thinking that she was doing the right thing, right? Because she wants to protect the other, the other sister, the other nuns, mm-hmm. right? Because. She doesn't think that Ava is ready or worthy to be the halo bearer. And so, you know, if, if she then proves that Ava can't do this, uh, she would be willing to just give up the halo. At least that's what I think. And, and much like that phrase, you're going to keep giving, bringing back to us, Carole, uh, as we've heard many times, too, when, when you talk about other stories and you wonder why, do my air quotes, quote, and quote, the villain does what they do. It comes back to that the villain thinks they're the hero of their story. Mm-hmm. So Mother Superior, much like you just said, she believes that this kid isn't ready. This kid isn't the one to do it. The sooner we find that out, the better we're all, we're all going to be. Right. <laughs> so again, right. from her perspective, you kind of understand it. It was cruel. I will not doubt that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly made me grumble at you know at her um, because she had given some. I don't want to say help, but. Even like we talked, you talked a little earlier about the whole sparring thing, where where the stick, um, and it could phase through Ava. I mean, she was trying to tell her about yes, different bearers have different um, skill sets, and I mean, she was giving her a little bit like Father Vincent had of okay, this is a little bit of how the halo can work, and 
you know, we're going to have to find out what your skill is or what special trait you have. So it did seem like she might have been, I don't want to say softening on her, but yeah, she flipped a cruel pretty fast. And to just to piggyback on what you said, Kevin, in that scene, you know, she, Mother Superior was the one who said that the, the physical and the psychological are intertwined. And so the sooner Ava can understand that, then the better off she'll, she'll be because otherwise she just, she's going to fail. And so at that point I thought, okay, yeah, maybe mother superior is trying to help Ava. And then the other scene happened and she got stuck in the wall. And you know, it all leads me to that last note. Ava is, she's being snarky. She's being sarcastic. You know, she's, she's got this new lease on life and they're all handing her all this information and it, gosh, it must've been so overwhelming because the fate of the world rests on her shoulders. I mean, shotgun Mary just basically, you know, tries to kind of ease her in a bit, but like Lilith is, is somewhat hard on her. Beatrice tries to ease her in. They go through all of this stuff. We discover that, you know, Shannon's been assassinated you know, Shotgun Mary comes forward with that. They give her Shannon's room. So now she's walking in the, the footsteps of someone so revered. When I see that last note, I want to live. It just reminds me of uh, a line that I always see in reference to Wally, which is the Pixar movie. And it says, I don't want to exist. I want to live. And it's, it's a very fascinating take on this because you've given this person everything and you've told them this is what you have to do. And she's been told that the entire time she's been in that bed. And all of a sudden she has the ability to live and you're saying, no, by the way, you can't do that. You have to do this or we've got to take the halo out of you. We don't know what's going to happen. Worst, you're dead. Best, you're back in the bed. So she hightails it. Would any one of us do anything different? I was going to say, I don't think I would. Hmm. I think I would try to to make the best of that second chance and live. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's fascinating too, because those of us who are longtime TV viewers, you know, you're used to this story of the chosen one. Uh, and in many of them, certainly I want to say all of them, you know, they accept the, the, their part in this, if you will, um, even if they don't like it. Uh, so it's refreshing to see in this case, like you said, she rejects it. For all those very valid reasons, if you put yourself in her shoes, uh, look at it from her perspective. Um, so, yeah, by this point in the season, you're like, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so that's where it's going to be fascinating to see where we can go from here. It's 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 going to be interesting because we've got so many characters coming at this slightly differently um, that you can totally get. It's not like this has been a... I mean, not that I... well Well... Let me, before I say anything on that, let me ask both of you maybe quickly. I mean, as we've seen some of these different stories with the Chosen One kind of being enlightened to what's going on in the world, uh, really going on, and they have a part to play in it. Um, in, in most of them, or in many of them, as I start to think of a few, um, the group that is there to assist them or the person that's there to assist them is, is, is doing it in a nurturing way um, for the most part. And, and as we've just described in this one, half the folks there it seems like are out to kill her almost so you know that's certainly not going to make you comfortable and want to accept any of that either so aside from not only wanting a chance to live in the sense that i haven't been able to it's also i want to live in the sense that these folks are going to kill me right yeah that is true like every i'm, I'm running through my head all of the series i've seen with a chosen one and like you said, they either accept it because they have a willing party behind them that are supporting them or they reluctantly accept it. And they might have, if we take Winona Earp, she drinks a lot. She sleeps around. She, she deals with that negativism in a different way, but she still has a, a support group around her. This is the first one I've seen where they're even the ones that are showing support. It's somewhat like, okay, we're in a really crappy situation, so let's try the best. Like Father Vincent, well, maybe it's God's plan. Nobody wanted this. So you've, you've got the two camps of the half that are just like, all right, just rip it out of her and let's go. We know what we need to do. And the other half going, yeah, but I mean, maybe we should just give her a shot. So there's no real support. 
it's pseudo support if if you think about it. And it's it's I go into the psychology and I apologize, but it's fascinating group dynamics. Yeah, it's certainly setting us up, I think, for wanting to see how each of these folks and, and where the story may go from here. Um, don't think it's a spoiler to say the ep- the, the, the series isn't going to end in Ep 4 with, with Ava deciding to stay on the beach. So we know some things are going to have to come to play, uh, come to bear, uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see what that is. So do we have any final things we want to say on episodes one, two, and three, besides the fact that I keep saying there's always more and I can't <laughs> pronounce what some of these titles are? My only thought to, for a recommendation, again, depending upon if you are a newbie, um, do let us know if you are, now that you're aware, if you weren't before, of how these uh, each episode title and the meaning of the passage, um, if you're going to start trying to figure those out. And, and how much luck you have with that um, in hindsight. And by hindsight, I only mean by the end of the episode that you saw the title for, we can, each of us kind of go, ah, I kind of see what that is. So I'm just curious, if you're a newbie and you start to watch and you look at what those might mean, uh, let us know how often you might have got it right. I didn't. <laughs> I'm just going to say that outright. I didn't initially. It took the second watch through to really see all the intricacies of how they wove these titles into the entire episode. Um, I'd love to hear where everybody noticed, like what scene or what section they connect to the title. I I would love to hear from everyone in regards to that as well. I'm going to start that with the next series, four, five, and six episodes. Okay. I'm like, I don't know what to say to that. There's always more. (laughs) There's always more. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a good first set. Um, Folks, so hopefully you found this as a good way to go through it, um, because that is our plan for the next couple. Um, sets of three. Some of these will be very much, again, not spoilery, but some of these will be very much character-driven, um, and there will be story bits coming in there. So um, enjoy all aspects of it, from the story to the characters. But also, uh, if you're not aware, uh, visually, the cinematography on this uh, show you know, beautiful, beautiful vistas and things. So enjoy some of that as it's playing out if you haven't already, too. But Does anyone else really want them to do a warrior nun tour through Europe so we can just see all the places they've been? Because <laughs> it is stunning. Yeah, I'd love to see some more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, too. Yes. Um, on some of this for that reason. So hopefully, you know, as they get ready for season two, they'll realize... Many of us are hungry for some of that, along with the typical bloopers and other things, too. So, mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it would be great to see some of that. So, as we said, uh, our plan being uh, planned monthly releases for the podcasts. Um, uh, look for the next one covering four, five, and six, probably towards the end of June-ish, uh, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, we also, as you folks may recall from our previous recording, we're looking to set up and do some of those uh, YouTube live events where we discuss themes, many of the things on Kimberly's list, many of the things <laughs> Sheila so told sad. her to put a pin in. Um, we'll come back for some of those discussions. Um, and probably by that next podcast, we'll be able to, to give you some dates or, or timelines as we start to do those come the summer. So for those who have seen the whole series, we will be having more uh, discussions that cover everything that we don't have to be somewhat uh, stifling ourselves on uh, as we kind of get things rolling out. Anything else, ladies? Otherwise, I think we've got a pretty good wrap here on the first three. Yeah, I kind of want to go into more, but it's like, I feel like we've got that Netflix button. It's like just next episode, but we can't do that. (laughs) But for those of you listening to the podcast, if you found us months from now, yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) The beauty of podcasting and time shifting. Um, But yes, if you're listening to it shortly after it's released, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna have some fun. And please do share some thoughts at the very end of the podcast. We've got all the contact methods available. Uh, whether you're a newbie or someone who's enjoyed this show for months, some thoughts to share, corrections to make for things maybe we uh, got wrong or or you would have mentioned that we didn't. We very much want this to be a community uh, podcast that way, folks. So please don't hesitate to use any of them. Please correct me if I say these biblical titles <laughs> wrong. I give you credit for trying. I don't even think I could get that close. Myself. I went to Catholic school, so I've read the Bible <laughs> like cover to cover way too many times, and I still can't pronounce these things correctly. 
I'll just say English is not my first language, so I can't. Oh, there we That's go. That's my cop out. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila got it covered. Sheila got it covered for sure. <laughs> well, we certainly had note, a blast, didn't we? I'm going to bring us in and say on that note, <laughs> I just rudely cut Kevin off. <laughs> no, that's part of the fun. I'm just going to say there's always more. Please look forward to our next episode and uh, stay tuned for all of our links because we really do want to hear from you, as Kevin said. We want it to be a community. There's several ways to get in touch with us. I really want to know what I missed or screwed up. So please tell me and let us know your thoughts of every episode, uh, one through three specifically under this. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more. We'll see you next time. Take care, gang. If you'd like to contact us here at Into the Halo, we offer a few different options. You can send us an email at intothehalopodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at WarriorNumPod. If, however, you prefer to leave us a voicemail, please go to speakpipe.com forward slash intothehalopodcast, all one word, where you can leave your 90-second message. We will have all of this information and much more on our website at warriornonpodcast.com and in every episode's description. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to hearing from you.